Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Narrator Roundtable. I'm Gail Shallon. And in the coming weeks, our audience will learn a lot about the Narrator Roundtable's five rotating permanent hosts. But before we dive into the important, thought-provoking, and potentially contentious hot topics that we thought deserved our attention, let's get to know each of our hosts a little better. Joining me today is my co-host, Kurt Graves. Hey, Kurt. Hi, Gail. How are you? How are you? I'm also very good. It is, uh, <laughs> I'm very excited about doing uh, this work with you and with everybody else. And uh, I am nervous about talking about myself because it's not something I'm naturally good at, yeah. <laughs> but we will endure. Well, you're naturally spectacular, so I think we're all going to have a good time. I'm going to talk about you first, though. How about that? Love it. Okay. Um, so, Kurt, I first met you a few years ago when we were both serving on the PANA DEI committee. And I definitely seen your lovely face in the online social media space. Um, but as someone newer to this industry myself, I had never met you in person before. I'm lucky enough to have now. Um, but while we were in that space together, you immediately struck me as such a nurturing champion of others. Um, and listening to your work and seeing what you choose to narrate Watching some of your other projects that are not related to audiobooks come to life, it is very clear to me that you offer your gifts, narration and beyond, as an act of service. So the first question I wanted to ask you is, what would you say, in a few words, your why for the generous way in which you engage with your creativity and your work is? Wow, thank you for that. Um... First, it's interesting to hear you say something like the work I choose, because I so seldom feel like I'm getting to choose my work. <laughs> you know, it always feels like you, you are being chosen. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it often feels like something yeah. that happens to me, not something that I, I choose to do for myself. Um, and in an interesting mm -hmm. way, I think a lot of my life has been that way. Um. I feel sometimes I've just been chosen. I've been in the right place at the right time to do things. I also think, you know, I was raised in the Catholic Church, and I'd like to think that maybe some of the good stuff stuck, uh, including <laughs> things like acts of service that I, I do find important. Yeah. Um, I also think that I have whatever qualities it takes that people often look to me uh, to be in a leadership role. And I was taught, it was instilled in me, or maybe it was inherent that I feel like if you can do something, you should do something. So mm. I don't shy away from, from putting myself in a position to help others uh, if I think I can actually do it. So it's, again, it's, I feel it's not so much a thing that I choose to do, but there are things that choose me and I answer the call. Mm, that's beautiful. Yeah, that feels really organic and and effortless is the wrong word, mm. but um intuitive and and that's that's awesome. Um okay, I'm going to mix up uh we talked about what we were going to talk about beforehand a little bit, but I'm going to mix this up because of what you just said. Um so so given that your life path um has taken you in a lot of different places, uh do you want to tell us a little bit about where you where you did come from beyond your um, like church upbringing, <laughs> what else in your childhood has, has influenced what you do now? What other jobs did you have? Um, 
And and who are you like outside of the booth that might surprise our listeners or or is there something that you'd like to share with them that maybe they don't know? Um well I uh I grew up in a town called Sheboygan, Wisconsin, uh which is only famous because John Candy mentioned it in the movie Home Alone. Uh it is also <laughs> home of the Bratwurst and Kohler toilets. Oh yeah. So <laughs> in that way I'm a proud Sheboyganite. <laughs> Um, I was a very good student, uh, very high achieving. And then I am also a college dropout. I Mm. flamed out real hard. Um, and I have come to learn later in life that that was probably due to some neurodivergence that had not yet been identified (laughs) at that time. Oh, yes. Us twice gifted folk. Um, (laughs) I'm also gay, and I realized I was gay very early in my teens. I came out at 17. I think a lot of my personality uh, was born from those years of knowing something about myself that I couldn't share with anybody else, uh, having to hide, having to be hyper-observant of the world around me and the people around me so that I could modulate my own behavior so I wasn't discovered. I think I'm probably still dealing with the trauma of all of that, even now at 39. Yeah. Um, and still realizing um, that, that that is something I went through. Like, I think that's probably mm-hmm. a recent releva- re- revelation from the last few years. Um, as a high achiever who then crashed and burned, I <laughs> had, uh, I've done lots of jobs. Uh, most notably, I worked in an outpatient mental health clinic for many years. Uh, where I think I grew a lot of empathy and my sense of humor, which is somewhat dark, I think also comes from that (laughs) time in my life, because if I didn't have a sense of humor, I wouldn't have survived. Mm. Um, Thankfully, it's also where I learned not to be judgmental of mental illness, because uh, that is also something I now deal with and and runs in my family. Uh, Mm. Then I worked for a... (laughs) healthcare technology company uh i always like to say like do you know the like the help i fall in and i can't get up commercials oh <laughs> like, yeah that kind of help Unfor- that kind we of, mock them all the yes, time that kind of technology <laughs> uh, i started as a traveling salesman okay. and then became the marketing manager and eventually the general manager um so i worked my way through a small business and then i worked for, yeah. i've worked for a school district for 15 years i was a high school speech and debate coach working with kids on uh, writing speeches, delivering speeches, but also acting, interpretation of literature, poetry, prose, um, all of that. Um, was very lucky to work with some excellent kids and, and had success as a coach. Um, was honored at the state level and had some national finalists. Uh, very proud of that mm. work. Wow. Yeah. And then, oh, and then I uh, found audiobook work. Oh, in, in the, in the, the mix, too, I forgot. I was a youth minister yeah. for six years. Whoa. Yeah, that I kind of straddled. There's no way you have had enough time to do all of this. Well, that's so <laughs> part of what I've now learned is a result of my ADHD and OCD is that, like, I was never satisfied unless I was doing three things. Three jobs yes. at once was sort yeah. of, like, my MO yeah. for most of my 20s. Yeah. So 
Wow. So I was a youth minister while I was working at the clinic and then partially while I was working at that healthcare technology company. And also I was working at a restaurant during that time. And also I was coaching forensics. So. Gotcha. Yeah. You made time work differently. For yeah, you. yeah. 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 Because uh, my yeah. brain was just happy when it didn't have to think about something else. As long as I could be yeah. focused on the thing that's in front of me and going, going, going. I worked fine. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I right, drive that fast yeah, car. Yeah. I hear you. So that those are yeah. all my weird jobs that I did uh that I think turned out were perfect training for this work. Who knew? Right. I mean, it sounds like you you were just made to play so many different parts and have through I mean, uh, yeah, like a like a beautiful pearl in the ocean, you know, through all sorts of um strife and waves of life have become this like gorgeous perfect object to be making this art um and and to that point you have narrated so many different genres um like you said a lot of different types of work just comes to you um most notably you've talked about loving to narrate sci-fi fantasy romance and ya that particularly resonates with your own uh youth experience of you know like like you were saying creating that resilience and also processing that trauma Um, And I think that's super meaningful. Could you tell us a little bit more about what your favorite material to narrate is and um, what you feel like you've built a reputation for doing? Yeah. I mean, the one connecting factor for most of those genres is they are also romances. Uh, But like when I'm marketing myself, you almost have to expand beyond that because romance can be an umbrella for so many other genres. Uh, But it is where I started and it is where I tend to live. Um, And I do like romance. You know, I, I don't know that I hear that enough from people like because it's so prevalent Mm -hmm. and it's a lot of the work. Like I always want to remember to say that I do like that work. Do I want it to be 99% of what I do? No, I would love it if it were closer to like 70. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the few times I've gotten to do YA, I mean, obviously that's, that's not an original answer. Everybody loves doing YA. It's where the most progressive, interesting, exciting stuff is being written right now. It's a great genre to be narrating. Yeah. Um, and for somebody yeah. like me who didn't have queer books as a teenager to be yeah. bringing those stories uh, to young people and telling queer stories, stories I never, never would have thought uh, would be coming out and, and are frank and honest and authentic. Like, obviously, those speak yeah. to me in a really special way. Um, but I also love the discovery of doing things new and different. I like to be challenged. My brain likes a challenge. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm open and excited about any project that comes my way. Yeah. Even, even the romances, like sometimes they're very exciting, but. <laughs> well, yeah, like you say, I mean, romance is quite an umbrella term and, and sometimes you get these incredible stories. If you don't love a happily ever after, what is wrong with you, right. frankly? Um, but also like, you know, there's, there's so much we can touch upon in something that is umbrella does romance and it, you know, it also, which kind of resonates with what you're talking about loving in young adults it's an act of service. You're providing something for a listener base that needs that space, that wants that space. Mm-hmm. And and, they and are, you're making a beautiful world for somebody. Right. And they are a wonderful part of this industry. Romance readers yeah. are yeah. fantastic. I mean, they, yeah. they really are supporters. They are loyal. They are 
champions of the of the work uh like they love audio not all of them obviously it's not for everybody but like they they find narrators that they enjoy and they champion them at least the guys that's amazing i mean that's a whole conversation we could have (laughs) it's true it's true yeah (laughs) Uh, but at least the guys so you know they definitely do i think i think you're right in general as narrators who tend to um disappear behind the curtain kind of be uh like the again the servers of the story rather than in the spotlight um a romance fan base is is an experience a gratifying experience that we don't often get elsewhere um and and I'm glad that you're that you that yeah that your listeners get to say thank yeah. you. And I'm so grateful for them because I mean it's why I have a career because it yeah it I mean it it took somebody liking me and saying so for somebody mm. else to find me you know like the exactly. the way they talk about the art is what allowed me to gain a reputation and eventually get more work. Okay, well, that's a lovely thing about what we do. I'm going to flip the table here. (laughs) If you had a magical power to change one thing about the way the industry currently works that you don't love so much, with a snap of your fingers, what might that be? Oh, there are so many answers. Like, this is the genie dilemma, right? (laughs) Like, like how do you get more wishes out of your single wish or your three wishes you know because no, like I know you, how many times can i snap my fingers you only get three. how many times can i snap them because i have several things that we could fix you get one snap but you know what you get endless episodes of this it's show true. so if you want to bring something back around later and bring a panel discussion this whole podcast is really do. an exercise in trying to snap our fingers and make things better exactly yeah. <laughs> so, so if i could ma- because it's magical and i can say anything i think what could be really interesting is if we snapped our fingers and everybody's memory of past performances was erased. Because I think it could be really interesting for our industry, for at least for a little while, to be totally based on like the merit of an audition. Yeah, yes. Doesn't matter what your name is. Doesn't matter how many books you have under your belt. Doesn't matter how long you've been doing this. Do you grasp the story and tell the story in the most effective and engaging way? Mm. As somebody, I, I consider myself one of the lucky ones to have entered this industry in 2016 through the indie space, through ACX. I don't think you can do that now. No. I think it's a, I think it's a, I think the hill has gotten much higher. So that uphill battle is just harder and harder and harder now. Um, And I also think the art form has changed so much in the last 10, 15 years that it would just, it would be very interesting to see how some of our most celebrated, venerated narrators would do if they were brand new. Yeah, no resting on their Because I think it's a whole different world. Yes. Yes, very much so. And I think those of us who are newer, and not, not new, because I can't consider myself new anymore, but even those of us who are newer, 
I think sometimes have a hard time explaining to folks who have been in the industry longer than us how difficult the path is mm. or why we have the worries that we do or why it's not as simple as just saying, well, do your best, be the best performer, you know, the best person always wins out. It's like, well, no, that's not true. That's not how it works. There are a hundred factors that go into getting jobs and, and doing well on them and then getting the attention once you've done a really good job and getting the awards that you can use to market yourself. I mean, all of that is very, very difficult. Yes. And I don't know yeah. that there's any way to get back to where it's just about talent and skill without snapping our fingers and erasing everybody's memory and saying, let's all start from zero. Let's oh, all prove a, ourselves. Yes. Yeah. And that's a good use of that. And I mean, one. there's other problems in our industry, but I just think that would be like, yeah. that would take care of a lot of them, actually. Yeah. If, yeah. You know? I think you're right because, yeah, as I'm sure we'll discuss on further episodes, it's like it doesn't just affect the individual, right? It's like there is a whole um, default that's been set in terms of, of the opportunity, the go-to voice that has pushed so many people aside before they've even had a chance to show up at the starting line. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. There, and there is a yeah. style uh, yeah. that for many years was like in vogue and – I just, I'd be very interested in getting away from that. Yeah. You know? like, Do you find, this is a like tangent question. Do you find as you're working and as you're listening to newer folks come through that the style is shifting in your, in your feelings or that's sort of like, there's a ceiling to that, the pushing against that classic style. What I know is that I like people who don't have that, mm. that narrator voice. Mm-hmm. And I've heard it called that by people who use it very effectively and are very good at this yeah. work. And, and, you know, like that is part of their, their ethos. It's part of their brand. It's part of how they approach the work. Um, I know that that doesn't work for me as a listener. And I try not to fall into the narrator voice when I'm narrating. Yeah. I think it makes for a more engaging story. And I, I can recognize in new narrators when they think that's what they're supposed to be doing. Mm. And maybe it is because plenty of people find success doing that. Um, and this is why I'm not a coach because like, I wouldn't like, I would want a coach to what I like and that's not necessarily what you're supposed to do. So like, I just, I'll give anybody advice, but I'm not going to charge for it because yeah, like, I'm just yeah. going to try to make you what I like, yeah. which is a very grounded empathetic conversational way of telling a story uh where what's on the page drives what you sound like um not uh the idea of like what the pace and style and diction yeah and like inflection should be the proper way to narrate an, yes. any audiobook yeah right. i mean and i think that's that's interesting too because that expands as as publishing expands we hear so such mm -hmm. a wider variety of voices and you know, some genres are now getting space that haven't previously. It's like that that allows more space for our craft to grow and expand as well. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna throw some rapid fire questions at you. Um, just about projects that I'd love to highlight of yours. Um okay. 
one word answer or a couple word answers would be great. Um, okay. So is there an upcoming or recent release that you are most excited about? Uh, I am most excited for Icarus by Kay Ankrum, which is coming out early 2024. And I am prepping awesome. it now and I'm very excited for it. Ooh, me too. Um, okay. Is there a book that you've narrated that really surprised you? I guess, well, I mean, I guess the very first one. I was yeah. surprised at the reception it got. I was surprised that I'd accidentally found my way to an author who was quite popular. And I've been surprised every step of the way as that author has become very popular and brought me with him. So, yeah, I was wow. super surprised by that first book. Do you want to share what that was? Um, it's Wolf Song by T.J. Klune, yeah. which he published through an indie publisher in 2016. It was his first uh, attempt at writing like a paranormal romance with like werewolves, shifters, yeah, you know, like wow. entering that world. Um, yeah. And it's not traditional at all. Uh, he took a chance on a brand new person who had never recorded an audiobook before. Uh, and this year that book was re-released by Macmillan in hardcover and it's wow. like, it has like special editions through Barnes and Noble. Like that series is now coming out again, seven years later. Wow. That, that feels very connected to you. Just attracting the things that you're meant for. Um, that's incredible. Okay. Next question. We could talk forever about that. I have so many questions. Okay. Next question. <laughs> um, a, a book that you narrated could be recently, could be way back in time that feels like it was totally your Goldilocks just right moment. Like this fits just right. Uh, the book is And They Lived by Stephen Salvatore, which was mm -hmm. the first book that I got because I reached out to the author directly and was like, hey, I want to narrate this book you're talking about. It sounds incredible. And then it ended up being a perfect fit. It talked not only about being queer, it talked about having anxiety, it talked about body issues, uh, all of it. It was a perfect fit. And I love that author, both as a as an artist and now as a friend. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, I'm definitely adding that to my to be listened to. And if you want to get to know Kurt better, listen to that book. Um, okay. And last one is, um, what does your dream project look like? Could be just your next dream project, whatever it is. Hmm. I would love to do a gay high fantasy. Yes. Yeah. I want, yeah. I want that challenge. I want an, a huge, expansive world with tons of characters and accent work, and it's just so gay. I love That's it. That's what I want. Yes. I want to listen to it. I want that, too. Somebody make that so Kirk can narrate it, please. Yes, please, and thank you. <laughs> awesome. I'm not a co-narration, to be No, clear. no, no, just for you. You're doing just it me. all. <laughs> yes, yes. All the, all the humans, all the creatures, all the things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yes. All right. We're here for it. I love it. Um, well, that's all I have for you. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been so good to get to know you. Thank you for your thoughtful questions. Like I said, I am not comfortable talking about myself often, but you made it. So thank you. you did a great job. You did an awesome job. Thank you for joining us for this introductory episode of the Narrator Roundtable. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere podcasts are available including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Audible. We have some incredible conversations about our industry and our craft that will be coming to you starting in January 2024. 
In the meantime, you can learn more about the podcast and find links to our social media at narratorroundtable.com. You can also submit your questions for our panel of hosts and guests. What's on your mind? We want to talk about it. The Narrator Roundtable is produced and hosted by Andre Santana, Deanna Anthony, Gail Shallon, Kurt Graves, and Lindsay Dorcas. All copywritten material is shared with permission. Music and sound effects are licensed through Storyblocks Audio. All opinions shared are those of the individuals and do not reflect the positions or policies of any company or organization with which they happen to be associated. <laughs>